1: Welcome to Scrimshaw, Top Omaha.
0: No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop.
1: Why just spill your beans?
0: Is this something to do with what you've been tweeting?
1: Why just spill your beans?
0: I don't know, Jack. Why?
1: Yar, we are in the lighthouse, and you're (laughs) not doing your duties. You're not seeing to your duties. What
0: is this even?
1: It's so. Hi, everybody. It's Jack here. <laughs> and Allison. This now, the, the the name of the show now isn't Script Shop anymore. It's Lighthouse Shop, because all I want to do is talk about the 2019 Robert Eggers film starring Willem Dafoe oh, and Robert, Robert Pattinson, Pattinson called The Lighthouse. What is
0: that even about, really? It's
1: about two guys in a lighthouse who go insane. Is it good? It's wild. I just watched it last night. Is
0: it on Netflix?
1: No, I bought a DVD of it when I was walking around what? at Target like weeks ago, Did- and I know I'm late to the party on this, folks, but The Lighthouse is wild and all I want to do is talk about The Lighthouse now.
0: What? Okay. Well, give us a little bit more of a teaser it, here. It, it,
1: it's these two guys. Willem Dafoe is this older guy who's running the show, and uh, Robert Pattinson's character is there to work for a month and just help keep things going at The Lighthouse. Like
0: an unpaid internship.
1: Kind of, but I mean, it's a job. And the whole reason he took okay. the job is that it's good money, and he's going to be there for a month, and it's the weather's lighthouse. crappy, and it's a ton of work. It's backbreaking work. Okay. But by the end of it, he'll be able to... He, Sold. I'll trying, take
0: that. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to build, like,
1: a life for himself. Okay. and he's he came from potentially mysterious circumstances as a lumberjack before Uh-oh. this and he just it's it's them trying to not go crazy man and they do a bad job of not oh, going crazy they do go crazy it's wild
0: so highly recommend
1: highly recommend this <laughs> film
0: hey speaking of people going crazy uh-huh. we've been a little bit crazy at my house lately
1: oh do tell this oh, is a uh, we've, we've been on a bit of a recording hiatus folks by a, the way a
0: short one to be fair because yes. uh, like a month yeah honestly maybe six weeks yeah um because when I was pregnant with Olive, we canned tons of shows, and yeah. I successfully, I think, took off nearly twelve weeks.
1: That's so yeah, from right. The show that was good, but
0: this last time, everybody is so much busier because mm-hmm. now we're popular and not yes. just recording <laughs> nerds. Yes. We have
1: obligations now. <laughs>
0: but uh, you know, I was just setting this up that uh, I did have my second child.
1: Yes, this is our first show back, folks. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, check at uh, script shop show on Twitter because we're gonna have a picture that we've posted and this
0: really cute baby who's. In studio with us today,
1: little baby Calvin is here. Yeah, in studio. Yep,
0: he's recording.
1: He's yeah. We're starting him off right in a in a, in a recording studio to be on a podcast.
0: Yeah, because it, you know what? We didn't have that many shows, can so here we are back in the saddle, and he is in a baby carrier snoozing and sometimes peering intently into Jack's soul.
1: Yeah, it's, there's been some really weird eye contact so far. I feel like this month old baby is already sizing me up, and I feel like I'm about to lose. Yeah, I'm done. He's cute. And so that means uh, folks if you do hear like sort of a random gurgle or coo or cry or whatever it's actually not me this time
0: <laughs> although Jet cries a lot to be fair We always edit that out of the show when he just starts bawling like a baby. I know. We also have to edit out like comforting him, and a lot of times I've got Jack in my arms just rocking and singing soothingly to him.
1: Folks, you have to understand, this is like a four-hour recording session that we do for just one show because of all my emotional baggage that I'm bringing to the table. You're
0: really only getting 20% of what actually goes on here.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is Script Shop.
0: Script Shop, where we talk about screenplays...
1: Yeah, (laughs) and movies about lighthouse keepers in the 1890s and
0: babies because of course we do but primarily screenplays and the screenwriters who wrote them because we know and we want to share that screenwriting is truly an intrinsic uh, personal journey in art and the screenwriters who wrote the scripts that they have are literally the only person in the whole world who could have put these words on a page to make this screenplay the way it came out Yeah. so we love talking to screenwriters to figure out why they wrote these things and where their life took them to get to this point and that's what we're going to be doing today on the show and
1: today we're going to be talking with carrie patrick martin who wrote a script called coffee and a donut
0: coffee and a donut is an 11 page new beginnings story involving the most important meal of the day oh dessert Do you eat dessert breakfast? Challenge me. Fight me on that. (laughs) I won't, because what is breakfast if not dessert?
1: It could be any more. You ever see those menus at those restaurants? There's ice cream on pancakes. (laughs) Who eats that way? Children. Yeah, well, everybody does.
0: I've never had ice cream on my pancakes. Not yet. But I have had whipped cream, which is fairly close.
1: Folks, because this is a podcast, that means we're on the internet, uh, and we are on ScriptShopShow.com. That's the website where you can listen to this episode, listen to previous episodes, read all the scripts that we have, and you can also submit if you a writer or you Yay. know a writer uh, that's the way you can get a script to us going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit.
0: Or looking us up on filmfreeway.com.
1: Yeah, we are again taking your submissions on Film Freeway.
0: Um, you also can go to Facebook and Twitter to connect more with us um, and Instagram it turns out. I was wondering if we were are we not on the <laughs> gram anymore? Um, we are. <laughs> um, Did <but> something
1: <laughs> happen to the gram?
0: You could find all kinds of really fun and cute pictures of children on my Twitter and the, lots of movie stuff and Things on Jack's Twitter.
1: That's right. So it's it's you're getting both sides of the of life there.
0: That's right. And don't forget to go to patreon.com. Or you can support our show if you enjoy what we're doing.
1: Yes, and we are eternally grateful to everybody who even thinks of throwing some money in our way. We uh, truly appreciate the support for the show. Whether you listen, whether you tell a friend, whether you tell an enemy, or whether you maybe throw a little bit of money our way, we uh, could not appreciate that enough. Thank you very, very much to all of you listening out there. All right. Is that everything? That's it. Okay, we should get Kerry on the line because he's been patiently waiting while I'm doing a bad Willem Dafoe as a pirate (laughs) impression. (laughs) Kerry Patrick Martin, hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? We're wonderful. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me.
0: Have you seen any really wild movies lately, yeah,
1: Did you see The
2: Lighthouse? I did not see The Lighthouse. Yeah, because um, i got bad news.
1: This is what the whole show is going to be now, is me asking you questions <laughs> about, the, about lighthouse. the Lighthouse.
2: Did you prepare? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, My life has been crazy. I haven't been to the movies in a little while. Well, so.
0: do do tell about this crazed life you have. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, um, I... Uh, Spent a lot of time working on my own scripts, my upcoming films, uh, in addition to my full-time job. And um,
0: and running. I know you're and running the avid running. runner.
2: Uh, yeah, I ran The Flying Pig uh, oh, in 2014. Here in Cincinnati. I was. I stayed the week, and I had a really wonderful time.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's the perfect time of year to be in Cincinnati, too. Yeah,
2: for sure. Carrie, oh, it was
0: beautiful. Where,
2: I, uh, I saw the zoo. I went to the baseball. It's my favorite baseball ooh. park I've been to yet. Ooh. Oh, that's great. Are you yeah, Are you somewhere yeah.
1: in the Midwest? Where do you live? I live
2: in New York City. Oh, geez. Okay. So Hi. I'm a Yankee fan, but uh, I love Great American Park. Yeah.
0: Mm. I was at that ballpark once walking around, and I just happened to look down, and I was like, oh, look, all of those random statues in front of the ballpark, they actually make up. A larger piece of art, and it's the baseball field. Yeah. And I had no idea. Oh. It had been. Oh, I didn't
2: know that. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, you're oh, wow. excused. You've been there once. <laughs> I've been living yeah. in Cincinnati now since 2007, practically, and uh, I, I had never put it together. okay. Such a, sp- oh, wow. a sports fan. Well, you made here. it. You
2: <laughs> made <it> an <laughs> like, event. I'll have to check that out.
0: It's really cool. Well, you can check it out next time you come to Send a Pendant, where uh, we were lucky enough to open with... Coffee and a donut this last year, actually. That's
1: right. Thank you so much for submitting to the film festival. That's, that's so great. Well,
2: thank you for showing my film and making it the kickoff film of y- the, the yes. festival. Yes.
0: Seriously, we couldn't not do that. It's about breakfast, and it's very positive and sunshiny. It was <laughs> yeah. the perfect start. Um, but before we get into that, what's your, what's your full-time job?
2: I work in sports arenas in premium service. So um, Yankee Stadium was one of them.
1: And so is that is that work why things have been so busy and crazy for you? Are you traveling around to other ballparks and stuff?
2: No, I, uh, I, work, um, I work with the Nets, too, the Nets and the uh, Islanders, okay. where they play as well in Brooklyn. So it's a really enjoyable job, but it keeps, keeps us busy. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so you're not stuck in just one sports season, because I know obviously opening day is coming up for everybody sport baseball-wise, but, I mean, yeah, if you're able to keep things going in uh, winter and fall
2: sports, too, that's great. Yeah, that's what my life is split up between uh, sports and art, so it's a perfect balance.
0: Well, in terms of that, you also said you spend a lot of time writing. How many screenplays do you find yourself working on at any given time?
2: <laughs> well, I'm a typical Gemini, so I'll be working on, um, right now I've got three Ooh. that I bounce back and forth on. So uh, I I don't recommend it. (laughs) I recommend being more focused than that. Why? Is it just happening to you that way? Yeah, I just come up with ideas and I have to jot them down. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily write chronologically. I'll write the scene I've got, the the scene that's in my head, the most prominent, you know, and I pump that one out and, you know, I I know what the scenes are going to be, but I uh, I just start with the ones that are screaming to be written
0: no kidding do you do you ever find yourself like you know you say you have three screenplays but you're kind of just writing things as they come to you do you ever find yourself writing something that you think is part of one story but it actually is the start of something different
2: Yeah or or sometimes or or it's the um, the wrong character that I'm writing for like. I, yeah i'll be I'll be like this story isn't about this person's this story is about this other person in the same story Oh, that's so fun
1: Well so what do you have? do you have some yeah. different things cooking right now sitting on, on the stove top of your brain?
2: A couple things um, I, I'm not sure where they're going to go you know they're they're vaguer than anything sometimes you start sometimes I start with a just an image I want to see or a character or something and uh, then I go from there there's nothing really right now that's screaming to be done. Right. You know?
0: Well, Were you born in New York or did you move to New York to pursue screenwriting?
2: I was born in Syracuse, born and raised Mm -hmm. in Syracuse, New York, Mm -hmm. which, uh, if people don't know, if you throw a dart right in the middle of New York State, uh, Syracuse would be the bullseye.
1: Okay. And then, but eventually you found um, your way to the city.
2: And then I moved to the city. I actually moved to be an actor. And, uh, you know how life happens, you know, things change. And I ended up uh, writing and directing, and now here I am doing, now I'm a filmmaker.
1: Well, yeah, you had to, I mean, you, you it's, it's in your, even if you did keep pursuing the acting part of it, it it's in your interest to diversify your portfolio, so to speak, right? right.
2: Absolutely, and I would really recommend anybody who wanted to direct uh, to take acting classes and learn how to act, learn what actors when I ask an actor of something, I get to um, – I have the perspective of knowing what I'm asking of them. Right.
0: Well, Coffee and a Donut yeah. was your directorial debut, correct? Yes. And how did that go? Yeah, what was that like? Well, you wrote it. You directed it. You're not in it. But how was this kind of taking this approach
2: to it? Um, I loved it. It, it, it was – I just felt really at home. Um you know, I had I had a great cast. So it was really they made it easy. You know, I, I think most of the work was uh casting them, picking the right people for the right roles.
1: Yeah, that's like ninety percent of the work, and, right? Finding some good people to put in the spots and then just trusting them to do what they do.
2: Pretty much, yeah. I mean, uh, sometimes, you know, you had to tweak here and there, but these folks just they, they make me look good. You know. Um, and then and then, you know, Creating an atmosphere on the set where people feel like they can do the work. Yeah.
0: It's uh, amazing to me how atmosphere is becoming more and more important on sets. Just Mm -hmm. a handful of things that Mm -hmm. I've directed, understanding that uh, the atmosphere is truly important, I had no idea.
1: Just in terms of the way everybody's feeling on set?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I really think it's like a director's primary job, actually to make everybody feel safe and comfortable Mm -hmm. so that they can work um, uh, freely.
1: Robert Eggers, when they were shooting The Lighthouse, was willing to work with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson had two different approaches. Willem Dafoe, with his theater background, wanted to do a lot of rehearsing, whereas Robert Pattinson wasn't that into doing a bunch of rehearsing. He wanted to be a little more spontaneous on camera. And director Robert Eggers had to sort of balance those two things, and he said he really enjoyed working with both men's approaches to, uh, to the work.
2: Fun Lighthouse fact. Well, so, uh, I Carrie, actually agree with that. I, um, I, I, you know, I'm in New York, so m- the majority of the actors I find are going to be stage actors. Um, and, and I like to find that delicate balance where you, you rehearse, but you don't do it too much.
1: Mm-hmm. Carrie, let me ask you this as far as for, yep. for when you were shooting Coffee and a Donut, as the writer and the director, I uh, let me try out a scenario here, whereas if it's two different people in those roles, the director may not be as beholden to following every single little thing in the script, whereas if you're the person who wrote it, and now you're the one at the helm trying to get this thing produced, was it easy, difficult to maybe be willing to do a little bit of killing your darlings or letting an actor take something in a way that maybe wasn't you what you intended when you were writing the script and anything like that for being the same in both roles?
2: Um, well, I would add a third role to that and that would be editor. Okay. Um, and they're three entirely different hats. And uh, I think the key is to understanding and knowing and accepting that you can't wear more than one hat at a time. Um, and if you read the script and you look at the film, you will see that there are things that aren't exactly as written. Um, and I think it's really important to to let things go and see what works on the day and, and what's visually in front of you.
0: With real Absolutely. people in the role. Yeah. And not just the friends we mm-hmm. make up in our heads.
2: <laughs> exactly. like so Some of the... Um, when I was writing, sometimes I had a very different picture in my head. Even even of the role of the waitress was entirely different when I was writing it to when I cast it. Mm.
1: And, and so from, for you, from a directorial perspective, that was like enjoyable, right? To be able to move into something different than what you had initially intended when you wrote it.
2: Oh, it's incredible. When you have a real-life person in front of you doing something that you didn't imagine, it's just... it's the most exciting feeling that I've probably ever had. Mm-hmm. That's very you know, cool. Even well, f- even more than crossing a finish line. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. You know
0: what that feels oh, like, too. Oh, gosh, no kidding. Yeah. Ugh. Well, for our listeners, Coffee and a Donut is a story about a, a man who's trying to order breakfast, and he doesn't speak English. He's having some difficulty communicating and kind of setting his life up. Um, in a new space, in a new place, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of his connections with the community around him that help him grow through this personal challenge. So we're interested in reading the beginning of the screenplay for you today. You guys feeling up for it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Carrie, Carrie's going to help us out as a uh, special guest here on the show.
0: So, listeners, if you're following along, we're going to be starting from the top of Coffee and a Donut by Carrie Patrick Martin. I'll be reading for The Waitress. Jack's going to be reading for Pablo. And then Carrie is going to be reading all of our action headings. So, Jack, you feeling ready?
1: I am. And uh, just uh, for what it's worth, uh, the character of Pablo is described as a mid-20s young Hispanic immigrant, of which I am none of those things. Yeah, you're
0: definitely not mid-20s. Yeah, I
1: know. I knew you were going to zero in on that, too. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) It's
0: great. <laughs> you know what the fun thing is, though, about um, being friends over a long Please tell of time me. is that I'm not that young anymore <laughs> yeah, either. That's true. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know how long have we known each other now? It was 2016.
1: 2016? Yeah,
0: that was. Oh. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well. Wow. See, I'm not.
2: So I'm I not was a way spring off.
0: chicken anymore. <laughs> uh, so these. Age. It's
2: all relative. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's right. Thank you, Carrie. You're only
0: as old as your heart. (laughs) (laughs) I don't Age is just
1: a number that the government keeps track of. It's fine.
0: (laughs) You sound like a crotchety old man already.
1: We need to get into this
2: script.
0: Okay, so, Carrie, whenever you're ready, you just take it away, all right?
2: You got it. Uh, Fade in interior diner morning. Typical American diner, moderately busy. Pablo, mid-twenties, a young Hispanic immigrant, stands at the door waiting to be seated. The waitress, a Caucasian woman, pens in hair, messy apron, very busy, zips past him. He waits. She passes him again. A customer walks in. Waitress comes to him immediately. Hey, honey. Busy today? Uh, you know. Customer takes a seat at the counter. Waitress zips to another table. Pablo continues to wait. Waitress zips by again. Sees Pablo. Can I help you? Uh, one, please. Just, just sit anywhere, sweetie. Pablo smiles and nods, not moving. She points at the counter. Sit, sit. Pablo approaches the counter and sits. Gracias. She gives him a menu. He stares blankly at it, then listens intently as she approaches the other customer.
1: Coffee and a donut.
2: Okay, honey. Coffee and a donut. Pablo looks up to her to order. She passes by him and goes to the register to take a businessman's payment, then comes back to Pablo.
1: Coffee and a donut.
2: Got it, sweetie. A donut and coffee are placed in front of Pablo.
0: Coffee and a donut. Thank you. End scene. All right, all right.
1: Okay, so this is the setup for it. So Pablo is coming to this diner, and he's uh, sort of being a little bit swept up into the world. He's... Uh, the waitress is sort of always zipping around, and there's all, I mean, it's, it's a diner. There's a lot of activity going on, and everybody is pretty comfortable doing what they know to do, and Pablo isn't that comfortable, because he isn't exactly sure, and again, he doesn't speak the language, so it's making it a challenge. The nice thing that happens with him is when he meets Camilla, uh, who's a woman there at the diner as well, who they're able to strike up a conversation, and she figures out that he, uh, the situation that he's in, because he keeps getting a coffee and a donut every time, because that's all he knows what to say.
0: Right, and he's getting sick of it. Yeah. He's getting sick of it. The- these coffees and donuts which are delicious
1: <laughs> yeah it's great but i mean yeah you're getting a coffee and a donut every day i don't want a
0: donut every day
1: sometimes I you love donuts. You might want hash browns
0: yeah or yogurt
1: so she ends up mm. helping him and, and starts to tutor him in he, english
0: right because he doesn't speak english is what it comes out right he's just copying what people are saying around him right and he's getting frustrated damn it
1: Right. So uh, it, it moves on and they, you know, she's helping him and, it, you know, it, it, like any sort of other thing where there's education and growth involved, that means growing pains. And at one point he gets sort of fed up and frustrated and uh, sort of calls the whole thing off.
0: Right. As, as is a very reasonable thing to do. Well, it, everybody gets frustrated sometimes. Gets sure. Started. We're done with this.
1: But then ultimately they end up uh, meeting again at the restaurant, and uh, it, it's sort of like a let's she, let's try it again.
0: She pushes him to really order, and once he orders, he goes ham. Literally, he orders like everything <laughs> on the menu. That's right. The waitress is like, "Whoa, geez, you should have just told me before." <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, Carrie, what inspired this story?
2: Yeah. Well, I was um, hanging out with a friend one night, and uh, he told me this story that his dad told him his entire life when he first came to the United States, um, that he could only order a coffee and a donut. And we joked around about it. I, I said, well, yeah, I can imagine. You know, I can see this other food pass by him and he wants that, but he can only say that. And we were laughing. And, uh, then I said, you know, you should write this down. And cause in, in the, in these, in the political climate we're in right now, uh, I, I don't even like to call it political because it's people's lives. Social. Um, yeah, the so, sociopolitical life. Uh, you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, the reality we live in right now, people are actually experiencing this. And uh, I felt it was really important to know. And I, I said to him, you should write this down. My friend said, "Well, you're the writer. You write it.
0: (laughs) What a good friend! (laughs) You do it, butthead."
2: uh, (laughs) So I did. I wrote it down and I brought it into my uh, my writing lab. And um, and my writing lab is actually very diverse. Um, uh, I'm probably one of the only white guys in it, so I was really nervous about showing this, but it was. Really, the, the people who, not only the uh, Latino, Latina um, writers that it spoke to, but anybody who had an immigrant background in their families really like loved this. And by the time I got to the um, second or third draft, the consensus was that I should shoot it.
1: Aww. That's great, because I, I was curious really about nice. what the personal connection was to the story, whether, like, you yourself had found yourself in a situation where you didn't speak a given language or mm-hmm. if it was a story of, like, a grandparent or whatever. Yeah, I was curious what the, what the connection there was for you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I had to find a connection for myself, and to me it was um, not so much the language but the fish-out-of-water thing. Mm. You know, I remember uh, being younger, you know, like a young teenager walking into a fast-food restaurant, it was incredibly crowded, and I was just standing there like nobody was waiting on me, and I stood there forever, and I was kind of just too shy to, uh, to speak up. So I had the experience of knowing what that felt like, and I applied it. Um, I, I think Pablo's challenge is not just the language barrier, but also the... Um,
0: Confidence.
2: The confidence, yeah. He's, he's very timid. He's very, um, you know, unsure of himself. Um, and I, I think that comes into play for a lot of people too, especially if uh, they don't think they, even if they do speak the language, they don't speak it well enough, in their opinion, and just afraid to speak, you know. So I want to sort of empower people this way too to say, you know, you, no, you don't have to be perfect.
0: Would you consider yourself a shy or confident person?
2: I am now, I think, in most cases. There are times when I'm not, I'm, but uh, I've had periods in my life where I wasn't, you know, especially when I was younger. Right. Um, now, if I have a crush on somebody, then it all falls apart. Oh, hello, hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get that. Yeah, sure. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, Carrie, I'm curious too. As far as the the uh, the fact that this is set at a diner and there's food involved, and just the idea of ways to connect with somebody, with another person, with another culture or whatever, specifically through food, I think that's such a powerful, like human sort of thing that we can do. How much of was there was there a thought about that at all for you when you're writing and you're telling this story?
2: I, I think that's a large reason of why. Uh, that story spoke to me absolutely um you know we all it's not just food but it's breakfast yeah it's, your, it's the way you start the day
0: your favorite part of the day is that what you're gonna say <laughs> i heard <a> thing. <laughs>
2: with uh as long as there's ice cream on my yeah, so he gets it <laughs> um but yeah but you know if you start your day this way what's the rest of your day like
0: oh not good
1: well, yeah, depending on whether yeah. or not you know how to communicate and feel like you're living in the world. Yeah. Can
0: you imagine being yeah. someone who doesn't like black coffee and that's just what you get every morning to oh, drink? Oh,
1: yeah, because that's all you know how to say. Yeah. That would suck.
0: Because <laughs> it's not it, – I feel like black coffee specifically is uh, a learned taste. Yes, it is. You can't just dive into a cup of piping hot black coffee and feel like the world's spinning your way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I personally love it, but yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, in, uh, going back to your writer's group and writing a story that was basically about somebody who was uh, a different color than you, was there anything mm-hmm. that surprised you or that you learned when you were workshopping this story with a, a diverse group of peers?
2: Well, I was able to um, – I, I was really concerned about it because, you know, there's so many instances where where white people will write about – something outside of their own experience and really mess it up. So uh, it was really important to me to get the uh, blessing from people who knew this experience, you know, who weren't white. Um, And I was actually surprised that I almost instantly did. Mm -hmm. That was the big surprise. I really expected to get some major feedback on it. and, And it was... Really, ninety-nine percent positive.
0: Maybe a story like this feels like activism, in some ways. You know, just yeah. Bad. I
2: think it's um. I, I think it's subversively uh, political. I'm making a statement here about what bio values are, and and hopefully, getting people to look at this in a in a different way.
0: Mm-hmm. And I wonder too. You know, talking about the socio-political world here. You have written in the script that one of the characters is specifically Hispanic and one is specifically Caucasian. And I just wondered if you have mm-hmm. any hot takes on ethnicity in screenplays.
1: What are you
2: doing? What?
0: I'm asking him questions. Okay. Can, can, can,
2: you repeat, can you repeat that way? Yeah.
0: Do you have any specific re- feelings about how ethnicity is portrayed in a lot of screenplays?
2: I do, actually. Uh, I, um, even Even things that I enjoy that are... A diverse cast it's still uh we're still in an age where uh the most diverse cast are still centered on a white person Hmm. and Mm -hmm. i think that we can uh really enrich our stories by changing that and we learn we learn more about ourselves the more we learn about other people Mm -hmm. um so i think that's one of the things and another thing is a lot of times we read a script and if race is not specified, it's assumed that they're white. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think we do ourselves a, a disservice by doing that, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wasn't the Hamilton screenplay written with the characters specifically written as non-white?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was the whole, yeah. that
2: was the, 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 the yeah, general concept. Yeah, I think Lin-Manuel's uh, uh, um, uh, thought behind that is it's the story of America told by what Americans look like now. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you, in, in terms of when you were working this with your workshopping group and, and the feedback you did get, uh, I mean, uh, was, were there specific things that were tweaked because of the feedback that you got uh, from this writing group?
2: Well, yeah. Um, that first scene we just wrote, um, Pablo says, eh, one, please. And my actor memo said, well, that's, that's pretty good English. For somebody uh, not knowing anything. So he suggested that he just say hello. Okay. And Mm -hmm. I changed that immediately. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: The other element to this script, uh, and Allison talking about you working with your working your your writing group, uh, I think dovetails into this nicely. The importance of encouragement and friendship, and how if it weren't for Camilla coming along and striking up a conversation with this guy and saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to take some time to help this guy out, whom I don't know at all and have I, I don't owe anything to, and we're living separate lives or whatever." But she takes the time to really help this guy out, and that that's another major theme in this script is the importance of. encouragement and friendship
2: Mm -hmm. having having allies so none of us can get through life without our allies or or people people reaching out to uh, to help us Um, and they have their own reasons when I wrote the script uh, it's not in the script but my thought was that uh, he reminded her of her father Mm -hmm. who may have had this experience himself
1: that's interesting how, how did you feel on set uh, with the chemistry between uh, the actress playing Camilla and the actor playing Pablo?
2: Oh, I, I didn't even give it a second thought. It yeah. was there. I mean, they, they knew each other already, okay. and it was there. And I find that both of them have great chemistry with other actors, too. It's just something they do. You know, um, ev- every time I've seen them in a scene with another person, the big thing that stands out is, wow, they have great chemistry with that actor. Well, mm-hmm. that's, that's the kind of actors they are.
0: Mm-hmm. Probably just the kind of people they are in general too then. Absolutely. It's, it's beautiful to describe them as allies in the story and then to hear that they're kind of dazzling people as performers and in the real world too. Mm-hmm. Ally is so much more poignant than just friend. You know,
1: I, I like the simplicity of friendship. Mm-hmm. Though. Really, I, I, there's, the, I, I mean, it, it language evolves and, and words mean different things over a different time. And I think that if we're getting into a discussion about the way things are now, mm-hmm. the word ally has an intrinsically socio political element to it, right? Where and, and and that's fine. Like I said, words change and meaning can change or whatever. I like the simplicity of friends. friendship and just being kind to someone you don't even know. That's before you even
2: become friends. The, yeah. the simplicity of that yeah, always does yeah. it for me. I actually, I actually do agree with that. I've had uh, friends tell me, oh, you're such a great ally. And I, and I said, no, I, I'm really just your friend. Yeah, there's no motivation <laughs> you know? here other than you know, being nice to you. Yeah, there's, there's no, just, you know, I, I happen to like you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, would, I would say, you know, each has their own specific uh, subtext, but uh and they can both apply at the same time.
1: Sure, absolutely.
0: Now mm-hmm. you ended up taking this on a festival run, um, I'm assuming, just because we were, of course, lucky enough to play it as part of Sendependent. And how was the festival uh reception to this story and this production?
2: It's been overwhelmingly positive. It's uh really kind of blowing me away we're still out there we're still showing this around um i think the second year is kind of slowing down but um it's one thing that happens is i get people with you know immigrants come up to me and tell me uh how much this speaks to them and Mm -hmm. their version of the same story Mm -hmm. yeah that's nice
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. you know and that's that to me is just um, it's it's Better than any award. I mean, we've won some awards, but that is the top award.
1: And, that, and that's got to be so rewarding, too, for you as a filmmaker and a storyteller to, to, to craft this thing that, you know, you that, that struck a chord with you when you initially heard it. And then to produce this thing in a way and putting it out into the world where it, it, it's striking a chord with other people. That's that, that, this is what we talk about on the show, the, the human connection with, yeah. with story and, and culture and, and, and humanity.
2: No, that's the goal. I mean, that's, you know, for artists, that's exactly, I think, the goal for most, if not all of us,
0: mm-hmm.
2: no matter what kind of story we're telling.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Even even a thriller action movie, we, we want somebody to feel something. We right. want people to feel something.
0: Yeah. There's just beauty in the simplicity of storytelling, regardless of the genre.
2: Yeah. And when you say simple, I find as a writer myself... Uh, when I'm doing rewrites, it's really about simplifying. When I try to embellish, I mess it up. But when I simplify my story, like this, the first draft of this had like five locations where she was uh, tutoring him. And once I got it down to the one location, mm-hmm. that uh, I think really strengthened it.
1: I'm curious, too, about in the way that the, the, the story is so – we're using the word simple a lot – and the idea of mm-hmm. just telling this straightforward tale of guy going to a restaurant who doesn't speak the language, makes a friend, and learns how to you know thrive in the world more. The simplicity of the story, there's no – it, it, I don't think that there's any sort of expectation on the viewer's part of, oh, now they're going to fall in love or like some sort of thing that goes beyond just what the story you're telling. I think I I, I like the the straightforwardness of this is the story we're telling. And there's it, I, I, from your point of view as the writer, was there any thought of making this story
2: any bigger than it is? Um, I, my first draft, it, they did fall in love. Okay. And it was, it was just too mucky. It was too yeah. messy. It yeah. was, you know... Uh, uh, once once I got that out, it was I got got it down to one location, this simple throughline story, and and that's where it was. And I've been asked if I want to expand on this, and I think the strength is for this piece. This is where it sits the strongest. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, if if there is more to this story. I'm not the person to tell, it, and i and I would hope that somebody who can appropriately expand on this can might be inspired to to do that.
1: I think it's great yeah that's the I mean that's that's the whole idea of, of
2: being inspired exactly well, I love I was I was inspired by my friend when he, he told me his dad's story yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Um, I thought it was so important to get out there it's- and. Uh, And it's out
0: there. (laughs) Yeah. It's vulnerable. It's simple. It's a very common um position for people to find themselves in. It touches on so much of humanity. Yeah, for sure. It's just a very, very specific and distinct way.
1: So Carrie, what is uh what's next? What what's next for you? What do you got cooking uh coming down the pipe?
2: Um, I've got um I've got another I swore off food props. And After uh, this? It's, it's a lot of work on set, you know, and uh, um, uh-huh. so my next script was one called Brownies. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>
0: like, so you're hungry. We get it.
2: <laughs> I, it's, so this is and It's really about two best friends. Uh, one's gay and one's straight. And they're making special brownies for the first time. Mm-hmm. And they kind of do it wrong and end up getting really high, and uh, some things about their friendship start to come to the mm. surface, and they have to navigate through that. Very cool.
1: Mm. Yeah. So that's what's percolating right now. That's that's what's in post-production
2: right now. Excellent.
0: Well, if somebody is interested in getting in touch with you about uh, Coffee and a Donut, or your work, or working together in New York, or traveling with you to Pendant 2020, yeah, what's the best way for somebody <laughs> to contact <That's> you?
2: Great. <laughs> um... You can go to, uh, you can email me at marathoncinema nyc at gmail. Uh, we also have a website for Coffee and a Donut. It's CoffeeAndADonutFilm.com. Mm-hmm. And we all have a, a mailing list on that as well. Uh, if you go to the bottom, there's a MailChimp uh, sign-up form. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Twitter under uh, Carrie Patrick and Instagram... Under CPM Filmmaker.
1: Under meaning like the underscore?
2: No, no, no um, not underscore. Oh, okay. So at Just Carrie CPM, Patrick. Yeah, at CPM Filmmaker.
1: Gotcha. Great. Well, mm-hmm. Carrie, thanks so much for sending in your work. Thank you for uh, submitting it to Independent, and thank you for coming on the show. I know we had a few scheduling uh, issues uh, in the run-up to this recording that we're doing, and I'm really happy that this is going to be a quick turnaround, uh, that we're going to get the show out there as quick as we can. So uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me. Awesome. This is great.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: So that's Carrie. That's awesome. Yeah. I. This is so silly, but, you know, he runs marathons, and so mm-hmm. now I like the idea that he might always be perpetually hungry because he's just burning a million calories yeah, every a, that, day. Yeah, that engine just needs <laughs> um, fuel constantly. He's like, mm, I'm going to get away from food prompts, but after this breakfast one and this one about brownies, which, of course, is not just about brownies, sure. but maybe I should write something. Let's see. hamburgers, hamburgers. Skyline, <laughs> <Something>, Scalini's, <laughs> some kind of hamburger
1: story that I need to do. What about a chicken nugget story? Mm,
0: pizza pepperonis, um, num, 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 num. You know it's interesting too in
1: terms of fuel. Uh, when they were shooting the lighthouse, uh, they oh actually <laughs> because they shot it on double X stock black and white, it needed so much more light in order to expose the film. It's so dark. Yeah. So they would have lights in these guys' faces like 500 watt lights, oh that, and gosh. they could barely see <sighs> anything because you need such a strong light to even hit on the film. And like so, ha- so there were times in the way they were doing these scenes and. Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson had these bright lights right in their faces, They're these just dazed. flickering several hundred watt lights, halogen bulbs, but and they can't keep it like they can't see each other, but they still have to do the scene.
0: Yeah, how do you think that worked out for them?
1: I think it worked out really well, and you can uh, check out uh, The Lighthouse by Robert Eggers, uh, picking it up, uh, I'm sure it's digital and on disc everywhere.
0: If you want to check out something way more interesting, let me just encourage you to go read this screenplay on our website and uh, support Kerry Patrick Martin by connecting with him on Facebook, Instagram, sending him an email, you know, signing up for his mailing list, and then following us online as well at Script Shop Show, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
1: And you can also read all of our scripts, Uh, scriptshopshow.com. That's the website where we have scripts, we have episodes, we have uh, everything there for you. Uh, Check us out online, check us out on Patreon. Uh, We're all over that dang old internet. That's right.
0: And, uh, you know, you can always check us out here. So, until next week, friends.